Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Philippians 1, 18 through 21. This can be found on page 1042 in the Red Pew Bible. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is eager, or excuse me, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always with Christ, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Morning. So thankful to look out and to see you here today. Thankful that we have this opportunity to come together and to worship, and thankful for all those who are joining us this morning on live stream. Know that we have a, a lot of things that are going on. Uh, last week, we had a, a leadership workshop. David Shannon spoke last Sunday from 2.30 to 4.30. And uh, I was so excited to look and realize there's about 50 of our men present. How awesome is that? Men who are looking at the future, who are looking at, at being leaders and wanting to grow with that, to me, that was such a great blessing to look out and see those. And I'm thankful for all those who chose to be a part of that. And tonight, again, we will have our uh, combined worship service. Uh, we'd love to fit, uh, fit as many people in here as possible, so sit toward the front, be here tonight, and uh, know that uh, this is going to be a time of combined worship with us and, and 109 before they fully launch next week. Let me ask you, how do you feel about that? Mixed emotions, I'm sure. We'll, we'll come back to that. But I want you to be here tonight. I think it's going to be an incredible time of singing. As we said, we've got four, four different men reading scriptures. I think we've got five different song leaders. Uh, we, we have a, a, a really neat night planned, and I hope that you'll be here as we focus on God and focus on what we've been called to do. If you will, let's go to God in prayer as we start. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us greatly. You are incredible, and you are so good to us. And Lord, today, we thank you. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we open your word. Lord, help give us courage as we see what you have given us there to live that out. And Lord, help us to always know why your son came and what our purpose is here on earth. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. If Jesus came back tonight, let me ask you, are you ready? If Jesus were to come back tonight, would, would you be ready to, to meet him? Would you be ready uh, to, to stand before him in judgment? Would you be ready uh, for him to come back and for eternity to begin? So that's a big question. Can I tell you, as a, as a kid, I heard that question a lot. We, I grew up during a time of gospel meetings and revivals that would go a, a week long, and, and it wasn't a marriage seminar, not that there's anything wrong with that, it wasn't a parenting seminar. Can I tell you, Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night worship, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every night was about people getting them ready for that question. If the Lord would return, would you be ready? See, it's a, it's a great question. I believe it's a question because we're told to do what? Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It is a question I believe that we must be ready for. 
But what if I asked you if the Lord were to return a week from today, how would you spend this week? If you knew next Sunday the Lord would come back, how, how, how would you spend this week? What would you spend this week doing? And, and, and that sort of, what would you do? If you knew that you had that many days left on earth, how, how would you spend this week? And it kind of depends. It, it depends on why you're here. It depends on what you believe your purpose here is on this earth and whether you believe you're on a mission or not. That's really will determine how you would spend this week. You would have to say, okay, is this week about me or is this week about God? Because there's some people say, you know what? This week is about me doing what I want to do. Hedonism, debauchery, whatever it is, I'm going to live any way I want. And then next Saturday night, probably be a good time to repent and get my, my life right with the Lord. And then Sunday, I, I would try to get ready for his return. That is what some would do. And, and the thing is, if you're on a mission, what would you spend this week doing? Hopefully telling people the Lord's coming back. Hopefully going out and, and trying to say, hey, you know, the Lord's coming back. I, I love you so much. God loves you so much. I, I want to share this with you, that He wants you to be saved more than anything else. This is what you need to do to be saved. See, if you're on a mission, I'm not sure how much you'd sleep this week. Why? Because we, we want so many people to be saved. We want to reach out and we want to do that. See, I find it interesting when we open up the Bible. Can I tell you, if you read through His Word, what we just read in Philippians chapter 1, and I'm thankful for that being read just a few moments ago, Paul knew why he was here. If, if anybody knew his purpose, he, he knew why, why he was here. He says what? Let's drop down. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what he says. What's he saying? You know what? If I die here in prison, I'm okay. I'm ready to go be with God. But if I stay here, I'm going to serve God. He actually goes on to say, and if I stay here, it's better for you. Why? Because I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to teach you more about God. He said, my life, no matter what, if the Lord were to return right now, I'm good with that. If I were to die right now, I'm good. But you know what? If I stay, I'm good too because my life is about glorifying God and, and, and for bringing people to Him. Glorifying God, we say that, and if you're like me for a long time, I'm going, yeah, we need to do that. I have no clue what it is, but I'm sure we're supposed to be doing it. Sort of like we're just saying, shine, Jesus, shine. Glorifying God is nothing more than allowing people to see God in us. That when people see us, they see Him. In other words, to make Him shine. That we become true reflectors of Him. That when people see us, they see Him. And that's what Paul's saying doing. And, and that would be somebody who says, I know my mission. You know why? Because I crucified myself. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He, he says that is his life. You know what? He knows his purpose. He knows why he was here. The question is, do we? Do we know why we are here? So that's a big question. It's a philosophical question, but I also believe it's a biblical question to know why are we here. That question, if Jesus were to come back tonight or next week, would you be ready and how would you spend this week really determines on whether you believe what the Bible says. Jesus himself says, I will come again. 
That comes from Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he lets them know that he's going to be leaving. And, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house, or what? There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, if I believe what Jesus says, he says he's coming back. He says, I'm going to prepare a place, and I will come back so that you, so that my, his disciples can be with him. And he says, you need to know that I'm the only way there. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What's he saying? Jesus knows his purpose. And to me, there's verses in Scripture that, that are heartbreaking and heart-shaking. When I read 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 10, it says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from, the, from his glory and his might. Why are we here? What is our purpose. Like I said, that verse is a verse that, well, it's a scary verse. <laughs> to look and, and to see that it, when the Lord comes back, it, it's going to be, we, we sing the song, there's a great day coming, there's a, there's, a, there's a great day coming for those who are saved, there's a sad day coming for those who are lost. And our job as saved people is to help that number to grow smaller and smaller. The people who it will be a sad day for, we want it to be a day that's exciting. And, and that will come as we realize what our mission is. If the Lord will return a week from today, how will we spend this week? It depends if we look at, and see what God's Word says. And, and, and He says, here, here is the Great Commission. He gives you the mission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. And to do what? Go, baptize, go and do what? And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. When I look at that, he has said there is a mission. And we as a church, and we as disciples, have to realize whether the Lord returns today Next week or a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now, our mission will never change. It'll never change. And I realize it gets more difficult because the longer the Lord goes uh, before coming back, people go, is he really coming? He says he is. I, I believe he will. See, Paul, Paul knew he was, why he was here. And the thing is, do we know why we are here? See, Jesus has a mission. Paul is on that mission. It's important that all of us be a part of that mission. So why are we here? I think it's important, if I'm going to ask why I'm here, that, that I realize that, that Jesus is here and realize why he came. See, see why did he come to earth? And, and can I tell you, there's something different about Jesus. Very, very different about Jesus. And, and, and this is something that, that, that uh, as you think about, I, I want you to think about just for a second and really dwell on it. Jesus is the only person that ever chose to be born. 
He's it. I hung out with my little boy Ezekiel this morning a few minutes. We're glad he's here, but he didn't choose to be born. He had no choice in the matter. We are thankful he's here. We're thankful that God has given him to us, but he didn't choose to be here. None of us in here chose to be here. Jesus is the only being ever that chose to be born. And what's amazing is he was born with a purpose, and he was intentional in that. He was born with a mission. See, when I think about his purpose being here, his purpose was what? We, we read this in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look at the purpose here uh, in verse 17. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's his purpose. Jesus chose to come knowing that would be his purpose. Kevin, can I borrow your hammer and spike for a second? I'll give them back. <laughs> the pit is safe. I, I'm good. He chose to come knowing this was waiting on him. Let that sit in. He chose to come knowing that him living would mean him dying. And not just dying and, and going off to a peaceful sleep. Not with family gathered around singing praises and, and, and trying to reach him. That is not what, what his life would be. He chose to come knowing his, his end would be what? Dying on a cross while being mocked, while being beaten. Knowing this was waiting on him. Why? Because he loved us. See, he came with a purpose. He, he came knowing what his life would be, and he came for what reason? So that, that not to condemn the world, but so that the world would be saved through him. And, and for us to realize that, that it is because of his love that he chose to come. And he had a mission, and in his mission, he was saying, you know what? They were to call him Emmanuel. Why? Because Emmanuel means... God with us. See, so many people during that time were doing what? Worshiping idols. They worshiped these, these, these gods made of, made of stone. He said, you know what? I'm going to give you a God made of flesh. I'm going to allow you to live by this Savior and be around Him. And He is going to walk on earth. And He, he came and the way He is going to save His people from His sins, He's going to be God on earth. He was so much God on earth when, when he said, you know what, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When people doubted who God was or doubted who he was, he said, you know what, if you've seen me in the way I act, I represent the Father also. He says at 12 years old, why did he come? He, he came to do what? He came to save the people from their sins. He came here to save the world. And he says, I'm so much on purpose when I'm 12, I must be about my Father's business. Anybody here ever list your child anywhere? Some of your children were too little to remember. Or if they do remember, they may hold it over you a little bit. Or if you're a parent, you may threaten that from time to time, okay? Uh, I will say this. I, I have, a, being a minister and being in ministry, 
I've seen more than one child who fell asleep on the bench whose parents got to the car and got gone before they realized their child wasn't with them. I don't know if you've ever done that or will admit it. Sometimes it's that one parent thinks the other child has them. There's a two-car system. And I've had parents get all the way to Cracker Barrel. And all of a sudden they realize, and one time the little boy was about 10 or 11. He said, Craig, can I borrow your phone? I said, sure. He said, I need to call my parents. They left me. I said, that is awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I will use this next Sunday. And he called his parents, and he said, they said they're going to come back and get me. I, and I just told him, I said, I wondered when they realized they left you. I wondered if they had gone ahead and they were already eating their biscuits and cornbread and were like, whew, you know, <laughs> we can take a break for a second. Can you imagine losing your child on a three-day trip as you're going back home, and you go back, and he's in the temple. That's where Jesus was. When you come, you want to say, why have you hurt us? Why have you given us anxiety? Why have you scared us? He said, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. Why, even from the age of 12, he was on a mission. John 1 talks about his birth and says the word became flesh and dwelt among us And John 1 14. But you get to verse 20, 29 and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God is John talking about him who does what? Who takes away the sins of the world. His purpose, his mission, he comes here to save the world. He must take away our sins. Also, we see here after we read about in Luke 19, he, he and Zacchaeus, what do we see? He came to do what? Seek and save the lost. He came here to do what his purpose was so that the world would be saved through him. And why is on earth he's going to seek and save lost people? Why is he going to go to talk to someone like Zacchaeus? Why? Because everyone around there would believe that Zacchaeus was the most sinful person they knew. And Jesus said, you know what? If I can save him, I can save anybody. The king came, but he didn't live as a king. Mark 10, 45 says what? For even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, he came to serve. Have you ever thought about the miracles? What were the purpose of the miracles, signs and wonders? And what do signs do? Signs point someone to somewhere. He was pointing people to God. But what were so many of the miracles? They were all servant-minded. To make sure people have food, to make sure... People who couldn't see, could see, make sure lame could walk. To serve a mom whose who, who's only son has died and he comes upon a, a funeral procession and he raises him from the dead. All these things were servant-minded. And just when his disciples start to get arrogant, he says what? Hey guys, I'm going to wash your feet. I want to teach you a big lesson because if, if we're going to save the world, if I've come here to do what so that the world be saved through me, what it's going to take is, uh, as he says here, it should say John, John 13, verse 14, says, If I then, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should do this to one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should follow and do as I have done. What he's saying, in, in his purpose being here, he came and he served. And not only did he serve, he spoke. There's a big push right now, I think, saying God's people should be about doing good things. Yes, we should. Yes, we should serve people, but if we never tell them the gospel, what have we done? What did Jesus do? Jesus did serve people, but he came to speak. Look, look how strongly he is in Mark 1, 35. 
He says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place that there he prayed. While people had crowded around him, he was healing people. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come. His purpose was to speak and tell people about God, to tell people He's the Messiah, to tell people to believe, to tell people to repent. What's his sermon? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand. He is doing this. And through this, Jesus changed the world. He impacted the world like no other human that has ever been born. Why? Because He came with a mission. And what was it that made Him different? Realize He chose to be born. He chose knowing what was waiting for Him, but He chose, as the Hebrew writer says, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. For what? He wanted people to be saved. He wanted us to come to Him. When we look again, that He so loved the world, He sent His only Son, and the purpose was He did not send Him to condemn the world, but the world may be saved through Him. Why would he do it? Why would he come knowing what was waiting on him? Because he had a broken heart. He didn't want people to be lost. Without him coming, mankind would be lost. Without him coming, without his blood being shed, without sins being taken away, all of mankind would, would, would be lost. And, and not only that, without him being resurrected on the third day, even if our sins were taken away, we'd never come out of the ground. Those two things are the things we have to have taken care of for us. We can't do anything about it. We can't take away our own sins. We can't resurrect ourselves. Jesus is the only one who can do that, and he was brokenhearted about that. Realize he doesn't want anyone to be lost. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is not dangling people over hell and hoping that the line breaks. He wants everyone to be saved. He said, And the reason I have yet to return is I want more people to be saved. I want more people to be saved. Shortest verse in the Bible is what? It's either rejoice always or, uh, or uh, uh, Jesus wept. Depends on if you go Greek or English. I, I know English a little better. That's what I speak most of the time. If you can call it, I speak English. Okay? Even though Jesus wept, it appears once in the Bible in John eleven thirty five. Jesus weeping appears a lot more than that. Look what he does in Luke 19, verse 41. After Jesus' triumphal entry where he comes into the city of Jerusalem, he is coming in, uh, he is going to be crucified, he's going to go through this, but he comes in and people lay out uh, the, the palm branches in front of him as he comes in on a colt. They are, they are saying, Hosanna. They are, they are saying, Lord, save us. They are excited he is there. And he does what? When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He said, would that you, even you, be known on this day the things that make peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. He looks, 
at a city he loves, filled with people that he loves. That would be called the city of David, city of God. They're, they're in Jerusalem, and his heart is broken because they will not hear his message. And not only that, destruction is coming to Jerusalem. And so many people will not have listened. He wept over his city. Let me ask you, what breaks your heart? I know this week there have been people lose loved ones, and that is something that is heartbreaking. This week, I'm sure there are people who have gone through financial crisis. I'm sure there's people who have gone through sickness. People have gone through struggles in relationship. But what is it that breaks your heart? Because it's important that we know that, because what breaks our heart many times will help us to find our purpose. The thing that happens that we go, wow, I can't stand this and I've got to do something about it is when we find our purpose. And, and, and to know that, that, that Jesus' heart was broken and, and he came to earth to do what? To save people. While he was here, he knew there were people who would not listen, but he came anyway and preached because his purpose was to save people. What breaks your heart? A few weeks ago, we had a, I thought, a very special day, and in some ways very sad, a day that all of our shepherds came up here and, and the four uh, elders who will be going to, to 109, uh, they were, um, I guess, said they were no longer elders here, so I got to tell them what I thought about them that evening. It was pretty cool. Just kidding, okay? Um, and I heard people say that was very, very sad. I heard that come out of people's mouth. In one sense, it, it, it really was. But it's also really powerful. Tonight, as we come together, and, and we come together and worship together, and, and I pray that as many people will be here as possible, as we come here having a night of devotion, telling God how great He is, but also allowing us to speak to Him, uh, Him to speak to us, us to speak to him through worship, him to speak to us through his word. As we come together and we go, wow, there's going to be some people that aren't here next Sunday who are here uh, this Sunday, and, and there will be a time uh, of sadness, but also there will also be there's a time of power in that too. I know that there are some who, who want to focus on the sadness, but I'm going to tell you what should break our heart there's 136,000 people in this county. And knowing that many of them are very vulnerable to Satan because they don't know him, they don't know God. They, they are unchurched, they, they do not know God and, and haven't come to him, that, that there are people who are uncommitted to God, that there are people who are searching. And to me, a heart must be broken by people who are lost. And why that, that will help give us our purpose and realize that, that the whole reason why we're doing this, the whole reason why that we're looking at and have planted another congregation is because our heart has been broken the same way Jesus has been broken. Our heart must be broken by lost people. And when we focus so much on the sadness of the other, Satan will try to keep us to look there to keep our eyes away from looking at those who we can reach with the gospel. See, I think it's important that we, we have our eyes open to be ready to do what? To tell people how great he is. 
and to realize we must be on a mission. And I am rejoicing. I sit there and look and go, wow, another congregation is starting. So many times there are churches who, who do what? Who, who shut their doors, realize that is a real thing. A lot of congregations shut their doors. We have a congregation starting with what? Four good men leading them as elders. We have over 200 people who will be going there, who will be doing what? Going there with a purpose to do what? To reach lost people, to be on that mission. For me, and we look here and go, wow, we've, we've had four elders who, who are going there. We've had another elder, Hoyt, who's done a wonderful job here, who has stepped down. And to go, wow, what are we going to do? Well, when I look and I see 50 men show up at an elder training seminar, I'm pretty excited about that. I sit there and think about God is working and we have to remember that we must be a part of his mission. And we think, how is it we make a difference? See, the way that Jesus cho chose to make a difference in this world, he chose to make a difference through what? Through, through his church. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. That's what he says. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. That's how he makes a difference. Through what? Through his disciples. His mission is to make disciples for people to do what? Take up their cross and follow him and to make disciples. And we start thinking, well, what, what do I do? What do I do individually? If you want to make a difference in the lost people around you, look what Jesus says. In John chapter 17, verse 15, uh, this is a, the prayer of Jesus where he's praying for his disciples. He said, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We have to realize that we are sent people. And we are sent to be on a mission. I love this because those original disciples carried out their mission, we get to be part of it. He follows up by saying, as for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That is us. And it is our job to be a part of this mission. And the way that we do this as we realize that, that Jesus was sent for a purpose, he was sent to do what? To save the world. And he says, as my Father has sent me, I also send you. We have the same purpose. As Jesus was show, sent to show people God, we have been sent to show people Jesus. We've also been sent to seek and to save lost people. We have been sent to show people who Jesus is, to show them his kindness through do what? We should be, we should, we are been sent to serve others. And we have been sent to speak the truth into people's lives. I've got something else I could do a whole lesson on. I'm going to say a couple sentences about it. It may be a run-on sentence, but a couple of sentences, okay, if you'll bear with me. Realize the, the goal of evangelism for each person is not necessarily that the other person becomes a Christian. The goal is, and what God asks you to do, is to speak. God asks you to speak and tell people about him. Other people get to choose whether they follow or not. 
I think one of the reasons we, we don't do these things here is we're, we're afraid of failure. What if I speak to someone and they choose not to? Well, that means you've done your job. Because the, the, the goal is for us to speak and, and tell the truth about who God is, to show that, that our life doesn't contradict who he is, and to be on that mission and for us to join him on that mission. Whether the Lord returns tonight or the Lord returns in a week or a year or a hundred years or a thousand years, our mission will always be the same, to show people who Jesus is, to tell, him, tell them about him and to let them know what they need to do in order to be saved. If Jesus comes back tonight, are, are you ready? That's a big question. That's a big question. That's an individual question I want you to answer for yourselves. But also, when it comes to the mission of Jesus, let me ask you this. Are you ready to be a part of that mission? Are you ready to be a part of that mission, which means making a difference in this world so that fewer and fewer people have to be lost? Because you can make a difference if you will accept the mission he's given us. This morning, can we help you? This morning, if you're not a Christian, today is the most awesome day to do that. Today's a day to give your life to him, to choose above everything, to make him your Lord and be baptized for missing your sins. Today, he may want us to pray with you and for you about something. Today, it may just be a really good day to jump in this mission and say, hey, I am a Christian. It's time that I step forward and I start talking to those because I'm going to promise you, if you knew you had a week, there's people you would talk to this week about the gospel that you've wanted to talk to because you believed it was that pressing. Realize every day is that pressing and let's make a difference.